Welcome to the Public Services Reform podcast from the Centre for Market and Public Organisation. My name is Ramesh Vaitalingam, and today I'm talking to Professor Douglas Alman from Columbia University. Doug's been just speaking at a conference on persistence in health at CMPO, and he's presented a paper looking at the impact of fasting on, on pregnant mothers, and particularly on their, on their children, on, their, on the, the fetuses and on the, on the children when they're born. Doug, I wonder if you could start off by, by setting up how you, how you approach thinking about this issue, this issue of, of the impact on, on fetuses, of what mothers do during, during the, uh, the nine months. Uh, well, thank you very much for um, asking me these questions. Uh, the starting point for, for the study with Bash Mazumder um, is to try and figure out uh, what environmental influences do to birth outcomes. And this is a very sort of challenging question in that uh, the other factors which we know affect birth outcomes are always very correlated with um, treatments we might be interested in, like the effect of smoking or drinking during pregnancy. Um, our question here is about um, the effect of nutrition, and in, in particular, um, the timing of nutrition, uh, because the Ramadan fast is only required for daylight hours. So uh, for one month, eating and drinking is confined to the to hours of darkness. And what our paper looks at is whether the coincidence of this uh, Ramadan fast with pregnancy generates differences in birth outcomes for Muslims in the state of Michigan compared to other Muslims in the state of Michigan where Ramadan fell uh, in the immediate postnatal period. Uh, so we're making this comparison of pregnancies exposed, say, during the first trimester to Ramadan to uh, pregnancies uh, exposed, say, two months after uh, birth. So t- tell me a little bit more about the data that you're looking at. I mean, what, how, how many mothers are you looking at? Sure. So we're, we're looking at about 40,000 birth records in the state of Michigan from 1989 to 2005. And uh, what this allows us to do is use the fact that Ramadan falls on different dates in different years. So it's celebrated about 11 or 12 days earlier each year. And as Ramadan moves through the, through the season, uh, we can disentangle its timing from the effect of month of birth. There's a, a fairly large literature in health economics and in epidemiology that when you're born in the year has effects on birth outcomes and, and long-run effects. And what we want to be able to do is sort of pull out Ramadan's effect from the effect of seasonal effects. And having this uh, 1989 to 2005 interval of births essentially allows us to do that. And what you're finding is that the effect of fasting during pregnancy has damaging effects on the, on the fetus in terms of the birth weight when, the, when they're eventually born. And it's particularly damaging if Ramadan falls during the early part of the pregnancy. That's, a, that's exactly right. So we find that when Ramadan falls in, in the first or second month of pregnancy, birth weight is roughly about 40 grams uh, uh, lower. And uh, we don't see comparable effects later in pregnancy. And I, I should say one interpretation of this is that uh, something that we don't observe, which is how many uh, Muslim mothers are actually observing the Ramadan fast, that may be changing during the course of pregnancy, such that uh, early pregnancies uh, exposed to Ramadan um, may have a lot of moms um, actually observing the fast, whereas later in pregnancy it may be lower. So, so we, can, we, can, we can say with some confidence that 
observance of the fast in early pregnancy does seem to be shown in um, in birth outcomes, specifically in birth weight. But we also see it for for some other outcomes as well. And some of these other effects are larger. And the the one that's most um, striking is is this. Uh, probability of having a, a girl versus a boy. Now, presumably, mothers aren't aware of the danger that fasting can, can do to their unborn children. Otherwise, they might try and, in a way, time their pregnancy so that it misses out on the, on the Ramadan period of the year. That, that's right. So it's definitely known in advance when Ramadan's going to fall. And so one thing uh, to look at in the data is whether we see that... Um, Births seem to be timed so as to not coincide with um, a pregnancy in Ramadan. Um, and basically, we don't see much, much evidence of that. Um, w- one way that might manifest itself is uh, either in the number of births uh, being different for, uh, for pre- there would be a lower number of pregnancies exposed to Ramadan than other, other months, and, and uh, we don't see evidence of that. Um, furthermore, um, sort of for analysis purposes, where this could be a problem is if the types of mothers who decided to time their pregnancy to avoid Ramadan were different from the types of mothers who decided not to time their pregnancy. Uh, and, you know, we can't know for certain, but what we can do is we can look at certain important observable characteristics of the mother, like her years of schooling, the father's years of schooling, uh, whether the the uh, Medicaid program in the U.S. paid for the the delivery, if we thought that uh, there was a a large role of timing behavior, then we should expect to see that these characteristics of the mothers would change uh, depending on when the birth appears relative to Ramadan. And we actually see no changes in those in those things. So uh, I guess I guess there are two interpretations that are sort of most obvious. One is the one that you mentioned is that. People uh, are unaware uh, that uh, there may be effects on uh, newborn um, health measures, or alternatively, that it's just very difficult to actually um, time uh, pregnancies very precisely. Uh, so uh, I, we can't rule out either of those. Yeah. Now, now, you've also got longer-term data on, on Uganda, which gives us some, some idea of, of what the longer-term outcomes might be for, for a child that's influenced uh, in the womb or, or in their early years. Th- that's right. So uh, basically, it's... it's uh, the Data constraints that lead us to to uh, Uganda, though uh, definitely we're interested in Uganda as well. Uh, but in the United States, you don't often know uh, a couple of things that we need to know for this type of analysis, which is when exactly in the year you were born, and furthermore, um, whether you're uh, Muslim or, or Christian and so forth. And those are things you don't generally observe in health data sets or in in uh, large data sets of other uh, adult outcome measures. In Uganda, uh, we happily have a, a, a population both of, of um, Muslims and Christians, and the census data ask a very uh, detailed set of questions on health, um, and in particular on the health disabilities. Uh, so relative to the U.S. data, we actually have much, much, much more extensive set of measures of health and also uh, detailed measures of when people were born. And so what we find uh, with those data is, is something that sort of is suggested by the timing of the, the birth weight results uh, for Michigan, is that exposure to Ramadan early in pregnancy in Uganda manifests itself uh, later in life in adulthood as a higher likelihood of having a disability. And, and these effects are actually fairly substantial in size. So 
the mean disability rate in Uganda for uh, Muslims is something like 4%, and we're seeing uh, basically uh, an increase to about uh, 4.6%, something like that. So so a pretty healthy-sized increase in that disability rate for the overall disabilities. And then if you look at specific disabilities, like uh, mental or learning disability, then those increases are even larger. So we, we see very consistently uh, in the Ugandan data that pregnancies exposed in the first uh, month or two to Ramadan are much likelier to show um, disabilities. We also see evidence of a sex ratio effect that you're less likely to be males there. And then as a falsification test in, in Uganda, what you can do is you can look at whether uh, non-Muslim pregnancies that were exposed to Ramadan uh, timing, so just the coincidence of Ramadan with you know the first month, month of pregnancy for a Christian is associated with different uh, disability rates. And that could occur in our context if there were certain uh, semi-peculiar seasonal effects that uh, are, are really lying behind these effects and not Ramadan itself. And um, sort of the, the short of it is that we don't see any effects uh, of this Ramadan timing for the people we don't expect to see it for, making us think that the effects we do see for Muslims is indeed a, a sort of a causal effect of Ramadan. These findings seem to have incredibly strong public policy implications. I mean, it, it really it feels like you want to say to, to women and to countries where women will, will potentially fast during their, their period of pregnancy, come on, you've got to listen to your bodies. You, you need to eat. It has incredibly long-term implications for your kids. I, yes, I think there there are some who would take that message. However, it, it is difficult, given the, the particular timing that we we identify, to to operationalize, uh, and and that is because it is so early in pregnancy, and so many of the pregnancies in the first month or so are not known to the mother. So uh, it's it's not quite so simple as saying uh, you know once you know you're pregnant, uh, don't fast because. For many pregnancies, that's actually too late. So, unfortunately, uh, what it looks like is is more if if women are trying to become pregnant, uh, then then they might want to think about these results. Uh, that there's some likelihood that they will become pregnant, not know it, and fast during Ramadan. So, yes, I, I guess I sort of want to go off thirty degrees from what you said to say it's it's not quite a no brainer because because this issue of w- whether you actually know you're pregnant or not, yeah. Final question, Doug. I'd be, I'd be interested in where this research program goes goes next. as your work on fetal origins. Yes. So, so uh, the the easy answer to that question is uh, to think about um, other data sets first, where we can replicate this result. Since you know, uh, uh, definitely in science and 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 I hope increasingly in economics, sort of replicating results is sort of uh, a way we sort of uh, come come to differentiate things that look to be true from what, what, what we really have confidence in are true. So I think other people and ourselves should, should do studies with other data sets to, to see whether these things are observed. One of the things we're doing is we're looking in uh, Great Britain. Uh, this is with Bosch and, and um, co-author whose name I will not say just because I'm going to mispronounce it, um, but his first name is Ryan. Um, and we're looking uh, at test scores in the UK and Pakistani and Bangladeshi immigrants to the UK, and uh, what happens when uh, Ramadan overlapped with a pregnancy. And what our preliminary results seem to say that we see effects on math scores uh, there as well. So I think uh, in addition to sort of the disability outcomes we've found, there's also sort of the suggestion that uh, sort of certain cognitive 
outcomes may be affected as well. Um, and I think, uh, you know, future research would help us understand exactly how this is occurring. I mean, we're, we're looking at sort of a very, it, it's, it's well-defined, but there, 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 there's a bit of a black box aspect to this. Like, what is the mechanism by which fasting exerts its effects? And I think, you know, some of the epidemiologists who are at this conference have already been helpful in sort of suggesting uh, literatures that we as economists are less aware of that can help us try and sort of unpack this effect and find out um, sort of what particular aspects of the Ramadan fast are causing this effect and and indeed sort of related to your question, sort of what things might uh, be done to sort of prevent the um, uh, this damage that we observe from occurring. Thank you very much. Thank you.